Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Okay, well, this is fun. Speaking of the Junos, uh, Avril Levine's up there. I'm just seeing this on Twitter. I missed it live because I was talking. Uh, so Avril Levine's on stage, and a topless protester walked onto the stage. I am not making this up. I know I say some weird st- stuff on this show, uh, you know, or we we do weird things. Uh, this is a, a topless protester came on i'm watching this on twitter right now I, the first tweet i saw about it was chris sheets my trusted colleague at kiss and country 103.9 that's that country station kellen so uh this topless protester comes on the stage i don't know she's she's topless and she's got pink pants on uh and she had stuff written on her body i don't know what she's protesting or what her thing is doesn't matter so avril lavigne apparently from what i'm seeing tried to just carry on and that eventually said get the blank off blank i'm sure you know what those words are or you can pick a couple that are possible for that so the juniors are off and running uh yeah people are like tweeting did the topless girl make it to the broadcast yes she did because i see people posting like they've they've filmed their tvs <laughs> They're putting it on stage. Well, that's pretty interesting. I, I just somebody I just tweeted that Canada's latest heritage moment. <laughs> Avril Lavigne cursing out a topless protester interrupting her presentation at the Junos. Hey, if any, if that's going to happen anywhere, that's that's pretty Edmonton. <laughs> We like to make it a little weird here, don't we? All right. Kellen's speechless. Are, are you a little, do you feel a little, I, uh, a little embarrassed uh, that I'm talking about a topless I, person or the swearing? Reed, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm going through Twitter and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at You've all seen the reactions. It. And You've seen it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's not hard to find in this day and age. All right. Uh, we do have NHL games tonight. It is 4-1 for the Avalanche leading the Canadians. That's one minute into the second period. Anderson got his 20th for Montreal to give them a little bit of life. The Maple Leafs up one nothing on the Sabres. Matthews has his 31st, a minute 11 into the second period. So that goal just happened. Leafs out shooting the Sabres 14-3. And Dallas and Seattle will play a little bit later on. The Oilers practice today. Look, the hard to tell from the line combinations today. It appeared, and we'll see tomorrow, but from the way they went through the rotations today, it appeared that Kaleem Costin is back in, and perhaps Warren Fogle might be the extra forward tomorrow. But it was the practice on an off day, just going by jersey colors and how they did the rotation. We'll see for the morning skate uh, tomorrow. Games at uh, 5.30 with the face-off show here on 6.30, Chet. And then the puck will drop at 7. Okay, uh, full disclosure here for this next interview. David Nedowin 
one of the all-time great curlers, is at the Junos. So we had to tape this late in the afternoon. So I can't get any live commentary on the uh, topless protester on stage. But a, a great Briar weekend. Gushu wins in the, in the final, taking down Dunstone, who finally made it that far, but uh, you know couldn't seal the deal. And Edmonton's Brendan Botcher, another great week for him, but he came up short on a key shot in the semifinal and uh, was defeated by Dunstone. So, David Nedowin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot. How are you? I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know we uh, usually catch up once or twice a year, so this is always fun. Uh, how's uh, how's life uh, treating you? I know we've talked in the past about some of your current adventures or mentoring and coaching and all that fun stuff. What have you been up to? Well, it's been a really busy last few months. Uh, one of the reasons that I don't play is I've got uh, business, which is extremely busy. And then, of course, uh, the, my two girls, one's down in the U.S. playing lacrosse uh, at a school in Michigan. And my other, that's Hallie. And then my other daughter, Alyssa, is, uh, yeah, just taking the junior kind of world by storm here with her team, uh, the Myla Platt team and um, Ali Iskew and Chloe Fiduik. And they're the three of them out of Edmonton with Alyssa. And they've been to Canada Winter Games. They uh, went to the U18 Nationals and won gold there. And they're off to the under 21 Nationals coming up in another couple of weeks. So we've been extremely busy with them. Now, uh, what, what, like, what's how are curling parents compared to hockey parents and parents of other sports? <laughs> is, is it nervous. more low key? <laughs> nervous, very yeah. nervous. It's it's uh, it's disgusting sitting there watching. And now I have uh, a lot more appreciation for what our parents through when went through when we were playing. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's a great group, and we talk to other parents, and I maybe a little bit more low key, of course, than than hockey or lacrosse because we we're also lacrosse parents, and so I've seen different spectrums of of the parents for sure. Um, you know, I usually go off to the side and just kind of watch on my own. And uh, Heather's the one with the cowbells, you know, just cheering the team on. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the Briar. Um, hey, you know, Botch has been in the top three now uh, in what I think six straight Briars. So he's, he's always there. Hey, he had a big shot. It didn't go his way. Uh, it came up short there. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, is that just sometimes you don't release the shot or did you see anything technical on the play? Like what happens in a situation like that? Well, I, th I think it was two things. One is that he had to basically cover the button. I mean, Matt Dunstone had made just a, a ridiculously great shot. But the other thing to it is it's not just like, hey, Dunstone, cover the button. Now you have to. It was that there was a there was a guard uh, when Mark Kennedy, I think, was, was peeling the guards. He made a great shot, but his shooter kind of stayed over on the side where Botcher had to draw that way. So that rock, even though it wasn't necessarily in the path of, of where he needed to go to hit the button, it would have been right on the edge of it. So it's it's in your mind. It's there, and it's super hard to block out that you might be rubbing on that guard. If that guard's not there, I, I would guess that, you know, Brendan makes that shot maybe seven or eight times out of 10. But with that guard there, I think it's more like five out of 10. Like, it, it was hard. It was really hard with that rock there. I want to ask you a couple of things because you've been there. You've been in the hack for thousands of big shots, including ones that, you know, were to, to win Briars or at the Worlds or things like that. Um, first of all, when you're preparing to make that shot, I, I know athletes like to say, well, I've made it a, a million times, but I mean, can you, in your mind, can you make it feel the same as Tuesday night at the Otwell? You know what I mean? Like, what's it like sitting there? 
You try to. I mean, you definitely try to. There's no question. I mean, we use everything from heart rate monitors to try and figure out how you slow your heart down to just that all that mental preparation that goes into it. And, you know, we've seen these top skips make those shots over and over again, but you're never going to make every one of them. And that's just, you know, that's just the life of a curler of a skip who's got to throw that last rock. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question you're sitting there in the hack and and you are absolutely nervous. You need to find a way, whether it's when you're going down the ice to kind of zone it out, focus in on what you need to do. That's why you have routines. You know, the front end knows exactly what to say and how to say it. Everybody has, you know, is working as a as a complete team unit to make sure that when, you know, the, the skip is in the hack there, that this is just another shot, um, that nothing's different, right? But but it's not. I mean, you know it's not. And um and and it's a it's a real talent to be able to try and block that out and, and just make those shots at that time. Cause like you said, you you go down to the local curling club and they'll make that shot every time. But um maybe not that one because it was very difficult, but you know, drawing the forefoot, but it's 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 definitely different when you've got you know, 10,000 people in the building and the Briar Championship on the line and all those things that go with it. So uh, let me ask you this from your perspective, and I, and I hate to do this, David, but I've, I've said this before. I get better stories when I ask about a negative experience than a positive one for, for athletes looking back. But I, I, and without talking to Botch, and I'm sure we'll get him on the show here, I assume he knew upon release maybe that didn't have the gas to get there. And, yeah. and I assume you've been there where you're like, oh, crap. That's oh yeah. What, yeah like, what, what's going through your mind? Yeah, the minute he let that go, he knew. Like, I'm sure it was just like, guys, please, please go, go, go. Like, he's just in his mind praying that maybe he's wrong and that they can get it there. And he's got, you know, two of the best sweepers in the world, um, you know, pushing the brooms and and being able to do everything they can with that rock, and they're incredible. So when you do come up, you know, whatever eight or ten feet short, those sweepers probably carried it eight or ten feet. Like so you know, he was, he was a lot shorter than even a look when he's got those two guys in the broom. So he knew right away. There's, there's no question about that. And I, and I've been there. I mean, our, our first worlds we went to, and like you said, you know, the one thing I'll say is that all these players that we watch that have won so much, they've also lost a lot. Like they've lost Briar finals and worlds and everything you can imagine in order to win these. I mean, Gushu included, right? Um, but our first worlds that we went to in 2001, uh, it was the, it was a big controversial last game because they pulled a whole bunch of Randy's rocks and uh, the Canadian officials for hog line violations. Uh, the, it was just they didn't have electronic candles then. Uh, they had uh, they had just one person sitting on the hog line who would like determine if you were over the hog line. And we were playing, th- this is getting way down a rabbit hole, but it's an entertaining story. Um, we were playing ag- against Switzerland in the semifinals in Switzerland, and they ended up having one hog line official, because usually you have two, they have to confirm. They only put one out there, and it was it was an older female, uh, Swiss lady female, nothing to do, of course, but I just remember her watching, right? And uh, only one. And she pulled three of Randy's rocks and everything was going crazy. And we played an absolutely incredible game. Like despite kind of those, those challenges we had in the game, we played an unbelievable game. I had a wide open hit to win the game. If, as long as I stick in the rings. So semifinals of our first worlds and I rolled out and they had a little biter in the 12 foot and, and we got, we lost our worlds on that. So I had a way easier shot than, uh, than Brendan did there. That's for sure. And, and I rolled out and that was the end of our first worlds. So you look back at those and they're they're tough. I mean, we went through a tough summer there um, and we committed to getting back the the next year and and uh, and we did. 
And of course, we ended up, you know, winning a few worlds after that. And the game changed that they went to electronic handles after that. So that was kind of the catalyst going, this can't happen again. And so the game changed because of that. But it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a story that one. And like I said, if, you know, maybe had we not gone to some other worlds after that, I would have probably told the story with, um, you know, less enthusiasm, right. but uh, we were fortunate <laughs> enough to get, to get into a few more. So. David Neto and joining us then on Inside Sports. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that that story, and I think I vaguely remember that uh, that shot for sure. Plus, tons that you made along the way too. Um, okay, you you might you might bristle at this question because you'll have a different perspective because you were in the competitions, and and as, and as we know, you're very decorated yourself. It, it's widely. Um, discussed if people want to sit down with a with a pint or some nachos and talk about the greatest curler of all time as i'm sure you know kevin martin's name comes up a lot other people's as well is is how how much is gushu in that conversation now with five out of seven and i realize you may be like come on reed but i think i gotta ask you because gushu has done so much over the last decade or so here Mm -hmm. yeah um it's it's a great question and i think it's one that you're going to have different perspectives on it based on what you value whether you value the olympics or you value the world championships or grand slams or everything that's combined and uh i mean if it's if it's just kind of the credentials of somebody winning everything they've won i i think gushu's got to be number one in my mind after winning that i think he's got to be number one now he might put a little exclamation mark on that by going and winning the worlds now right um because right now nicodine is is the the you know he would have to be number one globally as as the maybe the greatest curling team and i I hate to say curler because nicodine did it with his team brad gush has done it with uh now he's of course got one new player on his team um with with ryan harden but he's done it with mark nichols and jeff walker forever so i i was i was making the argument that mark nichols might be maybe the the, the greatest player of all time the other day just because he will also win a one with jeff stoughton right mm-hmm. so right you know so i hate to say it's just a skip i'd rather say the team and i would say that uh the brad gushu team is in my mind probably you know based on their their accomplishments probably the greatest team of all time now you definitely have to throw in kevin martin into that list there's no question about that and um you know and there's some other players too i mean i'd put uh mark kennedy in that list and i i would uh i would definitely put john morse in that list i mean look at all the things he's done too right so i'd i would without question put him in the list of two-time world champ or junior world champion and world champion and two-time olympic champion like how do you not put him in that list Okay, well, and you're being modest because uh, y- you and a couple guys you played with could probably be in that discussion as well. <laughs> I'll throw, I'll throw well, you one. <laughs> no, I, I I disagree a little bit only because we didn't get an Olympic title, and so I, I think we had periods of time where we were, in my mind, the best team in the world. But uh, to say that we were, you know, in that group of top three, I think you have to have an Olympic title in there. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll throw one more at you. The Briar is such a gauntlet to win. Uh, and and even now this playoff format, like there's, you know, you might have to play an extra elimination game depending on where you finish. I know there's a bit of a gap, but is there a challenge to refocus for worlds? You know what I mean? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I, I think the briar, um, the format of it is something that that's going to be uh, looked at really closely. And I think they're going to look at some of the players to give feedback on it. Obviously, the Gushu team and maybe somebody that's, that hasn't been there as many times, even though they've been there a few now with somebody like Matt Dunstone. But I think they're going to be looking for feedback on how they, you know, what what, what is it like when you go through that? And like you said, it's a, it's a gauntlet. I mean, you do all that all that uh, work through the whole week. And in the case of somebody like Kevin Cooey, you finish up with one loss and then you go into an elimination game and get beaten, you're out of the tournament. I mean, that that's tough, right? And so there's a lot of ups and downs and emotions and pressure and you're exhausted. And now they have to refocus for Worlds, like you said. So I, I think the goal of the Briar is to try and send our best team. And so, you know, and, and not only send them, but we want, we want medals and uh, we want gold medals if possible. And so I'm not sure that this this uh, current process is the best process to have this team set up for success being, you know, rested and and uh, ready or not. I don't know. You'd have to ask the players in it. But I haven't heard a player that said they really love it. Let's put it that way. So but but Gushu and, and these guys, I mean, uh, they're, they're so experienced. Uh, they're going to know exactly what it takes to get ready for the Worlds and they're going to know exactly uh, what to expect there in terms of the level of competition and how difficult it's going to be. I mean, they were just at the Olympics again and uh, they know, so they're going to, they've got the experience. Um, so they're not first time players going to it by any means. They know exactly, you know, where, where the potential pitfall is going to be. And they're going to have an entire group that's there to help them. And that's the other thing they've got their sports psychologist and they've got their training coaches and everything else to make sure that they're ready for it. So, um, yeah, I don't know that it's the best process in the, in the, at the briar, but I can tell you that this team is going to be absolutely ready to, uh, to go and try and win gold. David, always love talking with you. I always appreciate when you make time for the show, you got a great perspective. I hope we can chat again soon. Enjoy the Junos, my friend. Thank you. It's going to be a fun night. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and a night out with uh, Heather. So, you know, we always uh, always try and enjoy those when we can. Yes, the Junos has been fun. Uh, that was David Netto. And again, we recorded that late afternoon because he's at the Junos. Little did we know that there'd be this uh, protester on stage uh, partially clothed. Well, I guess partially unclothed is the story. <laughs> and... Uh, and Avril Lavigne uh, very uh, emphatically with some very colorful language told her to get off the stage. So that's going on. Uh, 780-496-0063. We got the uh, goalie fight interview coming up. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Oilers and Senators tomorrow. Two great German players going head-to-head. -head. Leon Dreisaitl of the Oilers, Tim Stutzla of the Senators. Dreisaitl was asked about Stutzla today. Well, we played them nine times uh, one year, so <laughs> seen seen about enough of them. <laughs> but no, he's obviously a, a great young player, um, really, you know, coming into his own and, and uh, making a name for himself. So it's, uh, it's fun to see and, um, you know, wish him all the best. All right, so the Senators here coming to town. Uh, I mean, a couple costly losses. They've dropped six points out of a playoff spot. They trail the Islanders by six. They do have a couple games in hand. They're three behind Florida, one behind Washington. So 
that part of the year, you still have a chance. But as I've said often, and now we're into the middle of March, if you're four or more points behind the team you're chasing, it's pretty tough because you got to outplay them by a significant margin. And by the same token, it's going to be very, very difficult for the Oilers to I mean, not only finish first in the Pacific Division, it's going to be very, very hard for the Oilers to get home ice advantage in the Pacific. They're five points behind second place LA, 15 games left. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I think we're more likely looking at a third place finish for Edmonton or a wild card. I mean, maybe you catch LA for second. I don't think at this point you're catching Vegas for first. We got the uh, tail of the goalie fight in the ECHL next.